Legacy characters are an interesting thing. Their very existence tells us that the media we're consuming is so much bigger than any one character. It implies that there's more story to tell than could be told with a single character, and I think for the most part that's right. Because as soon as you start to define a character, giving them likes and dislikes, viewpoints and morals, a history that informs their actions, you start establishing that there are things they can't or won't do. And that's fine, that's a good thing. Because while flexibility is important to remain interesting, a single character that can be everything to everyone all the time can get kind of boring and feel unrelatable. Sure, you can make whatever character you want fit into whatever story you want to tell, but once you have them contradict their own history, personality, morals, we lose the ability to know who they are, what they stand for, what they believe. And this is a big problem faced by companies like DC Comics, because if you're going to have characters that exist in perpetuity, that necessitates doing different things with them. That necessitates changing them. And you eventually come to a point where the question has to be asked, does it just make more sense to tell this story with a different character? Almost all of our main Green Lanterns are these wonderfully complex and multifaceted characters who, honestly, when you get right down to it, have way too much going on. Jon Stewart started out as a character designed to talk about race and politics. Then he became a mass murderer. Then he became a physically disabled architect. Then he became a United States Marine. Then he became a vehicle for a metatextual exploration of the human condition. Guy Gardner was a cop, a lawyer, a gym teacher, a bartender, an intergalactic honor guard, an alien shapeshifter, an asshole nobody likes, the most relatable, trustworthy person around, and someone who's constantly being punished for reckless insubordination while also being given the highest priority missions as well as new recruits to train. Guy Gardner is one character who's ten characters just jammed together. And a big part of the frustration that comes from following characters like Guy, like John, like most DC and Marvel characters, honestly, is that it's impossible to reconcile everything they've been through into a single character, a single person, living a single cohesive life. And with someone like Batman, you just sort of have to accept it and not think about it, because... Batman is one guy. You really don't have many options other than to only think about certain aspects of his character and history when they become immediately relevant in the moment. But the Green Lantern Corps allows a unique way around all of this, because there's no limit to how many characters can become lanterns. There are very few limits on the kind of person who can become a lantern. So if you have a really good idea for a story, but telling it would mean layering even more on top of existing characters who already have more baggage than they can handle, maybe it's not a bad idea to just create a new character and tell a story that not only fleshes them out as a person, but also allows your narrative to thrive in a way that it may otherwise not have the chance if it has to be viewed and considered through the lens of an existing character and their decades of inconsistent baggage and backstory. How many people even know or remember that Kyle Rayner is half Latino and has an absentee father who's a CIA agent trying to protect his family by distancing himself from them? For that matter, what about the fact that a ringless Hal Jordan flew as a member of the United States Air Force and spent an entire year chained up in a POW camp? 
an experience that would have been this powerful, life-changing, character-defining thing if it had happened to anyone else. But because it's Hal Jordan, because it's this character with decades of backstory and characterization, it's just a footnote that everyone's forgotten about. All of the arguments against the creation of new human lanterns tend to revolve around the idea that you're taking valuable page time away from existing characters that we already know and care about, and are instead giving it to some new character we have no reason to care about yet. It's compounded by the fact that the Green Lantern franchise is so packed with characters, most of which only ever appear in crowd shots. And I've been right there with all of you, saying across the internet that I wish there'd be a series following an alien lantern, or a lantern from another core, or some sort of Tales of the Core-style anthology series like we had during Blackest Night or the old Green Lantern Core Quarterly. But what we tend to forget about when we talk about the characters we love and continuity and comics as an artistic medium is that this is still a business and decisions have to be made based on the numbers. I went and pulled the sales numbers for three series. New 52 Green Lantern, Green Lantern New Guardians, and Red Lanterns. All three of these books launched at the exact same time and had exactly the same marketing push behind them. I'm looking at the first 20 issues of each series. These numbers are from Diamond by way of Comicron.com. Red Lanterns launched with 66,000 copies sold, and would maintain that through issue 2 before dropping down to 54,000 copies at issue 3, and continuing to drop lower and lower with each passing issue, hitting 34,000 in issue 20. New Guardians launched with 84,000, and then immediately dropped down to 71,000 with issue 2, then a steep drop down to 59,000 with issue 3, and hitting 40,000 by issue 20. While the sales numbers for New Guardians are a lot higher than Red Lanterns, the pattern is almost exactly the same. Strong launch numbers that the series would never replicate again, followed by sales that would sink like a stone with each passing issue. And in both cases, DC tried to mitigate that loss by involving both books in crossovers with the rest of the Lantern titles. Rise of the Third Army, Wrath of the First Lantern, Godhead, and they'd pepper in theme months like Issue Zero and Future's End. But in all of those instances, whatever sales bump they received went away immediately after, and the books dropped right back down to where their numbers were the very next issue. And actually, in the case of crossovers that involve multiple issues of Red Lanterns and New Guardians, only the first issue of each saw a significant increase. And now I want you to think about what we always say we want. We always say we want a book that brings together members of every core. Well, that's what New Guardians was. We say we want a book that focuses on alien lanterns. That's what Red Lanterns was. We say that we want a book about other non-green lanterns. Again, that's what Red Lanterns was and what New Guardians became. The second half of that run is about a white lantern and a star sapphire. And despite being pushed by the massive New 52 hype machine, nobody was buying them. Before I get to Green Lantern, there's one more I want to throw in here. The other thing that every Lantern fan always says they want. A Tales of the Core anthology book. Well, we got one. Blackest Night, Tales of the Core. A miniseries that came out during Blackest Night, during a time where the entire DC universe revolved around Green Lantern. A time when a lot of people prioritized Lantern books as the tie-ins they would focus on reading. So how many copies did the first issue of this miniseries sell? 
4,000. Not 40, not 14, 4. Despite coming out at the best possible time and having Blackest Night in the title, despite being exactly the book that fans of Green Lantern always talk about wanting to read, they gave us an anthology book that focused on alien members of every core, and it failed. And it'd be one thing if it just failed to capture a wider audience, but not even Lantern fans showed up for this one. 4,000 copies? Most of us didn't buy this book. Now with all that in mind, let's look at Green Lantern. This is the book focusing on Hal Jordan and Sinestro. It had the exact same launch window and marketing push as Red Lanterns and New Guardians. First issue, 141,000 copies. Remember, New Guardians had 84,000, Red Lanterns had 66,000, and Tales of the Core had 4. It had similar drop-off as the other books, hitting 122,000 by issue 3, 104,000 by issue 4, and 67,000 by issue 20. Even at its worst, Green Lantern still blew the other Lantern books out of the water. Hell, even its lowest sales numbers were still higher than the launch numbers for Red Lanterns. Human Lanterns sell. I hate saying it, but Human Lanterns sell and Alien Lanterns don't. Human Lanterns sell. Green ones, specifically. Every time an Earth Lantern changes color, it does alright for a while, but eventually New Guardians and Red Lanterns and the like all get cancelled and everyone goes back to using green rings. Because that's what's marketable. That's what the brand is. You can have all the offshoots you want, but Green Lantern is the DC tentpole franchise. White Lanterns and Red Lanterns and Blue Lanterns all have their place, but they all revolve around green. They're never going to be the main course. They're the snack you eat while you're waiting for the real meal to be ready. And I don't like that it's true. My favorite thing about Green Lantern is how huge and expansive it is. I'm the guy who would gladly read an entire series about alien characters with no Earth or humans whatsoever. I think a lot of people would. But we're the minority. Because the most powerful thing about Green Lantern as a franchise is its above-average potential to give us something new. And a lot of fans out there just don't want things to change. And you can find that sentiment everywhere, but the example I'll pull is from the Green Lantern Reddit, in a thread about the new Teen Lantern introduced in Young Justice under Brian Michael Bendis. Reddit user Flyman95 says, why do we need another lantern? DC doesn't know what to do with the lanterns it has. We have six already. Six! The last two nobody asked for or wanted. It's clear the majority of lantern fans want and prefer Hal, Jordan, and Jon Stewart. Hal because of the Jeff Johns run and Stewart because of the Justice League cartoon. Jessica Cruz seems to have become a bit more popular, but DC has pushed her hard. In the same thread, Reddit user jjazz1 said, I'm fine with the OG four, Hal, John, Guy, and Kyle. All of them bring something to the table, and they can all coexist. I don't even like Kyle that much, but I get his purpose. Every lantern after that has been unnecessary. And I feel like this is where most of us are. We love the big four, we couldn't imagine not having Hal and John and Guy and Kyle around in some capacity, and would probably consider it a major upset if one of them was gone for a long period of time. But 
fans didn't always feel that way. I look back through some old issues, specifically at the letters pages, and at the tail end of 1985, when Crisis on Infinite Earths was in full swing, we were a few issues into a new status quo, where Hal Jordan was not Green Lantern anymore. Jon Stewart had replaced him, the book would feature a lot more Tales of the Green Lantern Corps-style backup stories, and Guy Gardner would come back as a Green Lantern soon after. And in the letters page of Green Lantern 197, Bill Clymer said, Please bring back Hal Jordan. He is the real Green Lantern of Earth. In Green Lantern 195, Don Ice Jr. said, Listen, all these tales of the Green Lantern Corps have been amusing, but I'm sick and tired of seeing every creature from a bug to a snake slap on a Green Lantern costume and become an instant Green Lantern. As far as I'm concerned, there is only one Green Lantern, and that's Hal Jordan. So quit with all the Lantern rip-offs and show us the one and only back in uniform and back in action once again. And... I shouldn't have to remind anyone of the years of backlash to the very existence of Kyle Rayner. Although, at this point, I probably do and should make an episode about it eventually. All this to say, those four lanterns you're fine with? There's nothing special about them that makes them okay. You're fine with those four because you're used to those four. Those four have been around for enough time that it feels like they're supposed to be there. So when Simon comes around, when Jessica comes around, when Teen Lantern comes around, the thing everyone always says is, why do we need another one we already have four? Well, we used to have three. And people said the same thing about the fourth. And when we had two, everyone scoffed at the introduction of a third. And when John replaced Hal... People couldn't write in fast enough to proclaim that Hal Jordan was still the one and only Green Lantern. The only thing that's changed is that enough time has passed, so we have a different perspective on these characters now than people did when they were first introduced. Just like how ten years down the line, people are going to look at Simon and Jessica as equal peers to Hal, John, Guy, and Kyle. Because by then, they won't be new anymore. They'll be established and known, and they'll just be expected to be there. It's the same thing that happened with Kyle. There used to be a hard divide between him and the previous generation of Lanterns. But now Kyle's been folded into their ranks, and it feels like he's always been a part of that group. But he hasn't. He was new, he was controversial, a lot of fans hated him, and dropped the book. But now, people couldn't imagine Green Lantern without him. And all that takes is time. So where does all this leave us? DC keeps trying to give us the kind of varied Lantern books we want to read, with Red Lanterns, New Guardians, Tales of the Core, Larflees, Sinestro, Green Lantern Corps, Emerald Warriors. But not enough people buy them, so they get cancelled. Fandom at large seems to financially support human Green Lanterns above all else, So that's what we get more of. So if you're like me, and you really do value the variety and potential that Green Lantern has, head and shoulders above any other superhero, don't let your first reaction to a new Human Lantern be disappointment or anger, or even to question why when we already have this many. 
because new human Green Lanterns are the most secure vehicle to expand on what Green Lantern is, and what being a Lantern means, and what kind of stories can be told with a Lantern, without having to worry about being cancelled a few issues later. And if a big-name writer comes in with a story to tell, and a new character built to tell it, even better. Brian Michael Bendis came in and added something new to Green Lantern by creating his Teen Lantern character for Young Justice, and I can't wait to learn more about her. And I know I'll get the chance to, since she's a character Bendis created for a book he launched. So the next time you're ready to complain about all the things we don't have... Think about the fact that the first issue of The Green Lantern by Grant Morrison, the flagship Lantern title by one of the biggest names in comics, only sold 113,000 copies. And the only reason we're getting a second Lantern book anytime soon, in the form of Far Sector, is because Gerard Way brought in three-time Hugo Award-winning author N.K. Jemisin to tell a cosmic story about emotion, colonialism, and what it means to be a cop using a brand new character created to tell that story. Would we have got a different Second Lantern book anyway? Sure, eventually. But who knows how long that would have taken, or how long it would last. When you bring in a writer who's a big name, be it someone huge in comics like Bendis or an award-winning novelist like N.K., they're a big get for the publisher, and odds are good they're going to get to finish whatever story they came to tell. If you have thoughts to share on any of this, please do. MosaicDanPodcast at gmail.com I guess I should say, the upload schedule for this podcast will literally be, when it's done, I'll post it. I used to be the guy who drove himself crazy with schedules and deadlines, and the timely release of new content. Ask anyone from the Lanterncast. But there are certain established tropes of putting together a podcast that have been done since the beginning, and in many ways I believe are still done because they've always been done, and I want to break away from all that. It's why I don't do a standard intro. It's why I don't introduce myself or give the episode number until the end. It's it's why I'm not really bothering with music. And it's why I'm not going to rush any episodes out the door. I started this show because there are things I want to talk about that are important to me, and I'm going to give those episodes as long as they need to become the best I can possibly make. And if you haven't seen an episode from me in a few weeks, that means you're probably about to get hit with something that's more than worth the wait. I'm Dan Kurtzke. This has been episode one. Thank you for listening to my mosaic.